Hello, and welcome to the NPRD podcast with nurse practitioner and registered dietitian Robin Kivit. Eating disorders, body image, medicine, they are all interconnected. But with so many programs, techniques, and advice to choose from, it's easy to be overwhelmed. Robin, with more than 25 years of experience as a nurse practitioner and registered dietitian, offers help and hope for everyone, families, children, and adults. Along with veteran talk show host and good friend, Jordan Rich, Robin invites you to learn much more right here on the NPRD Podcast. Hi, this is Robin bringing you back for another episode of the NPRD. And today we have Brooke Huminski. She is a licensed social worker, a master's in social work. And Brooke has her own psychotherapy practice in Rhode Island. She's also part-time faculty at Boston College School of Social Work. Brooke, welcome. Thank you, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored and excited to be a guest today. Thank you. Yeah, so you and I have shared cases. And then last spring, I was very fortunate to be able to take a course on cognitive processing therapy with you using one of the best workbooks I've ever found. (laughs) And you took myself and many clinicians through the process of CPT and understanding how to treat PTSD. I found it hugely informative and go back to that workbook a ton. So thank you in hindsight for that. So I'd just love to hear from you. And I and you were, I read it before you posted it, quoted in the New York Times. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. How did, tell tell us about that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it really came from some dialogue uh, between some providers that was picked up by uh, one of the New York Times reporters on how difficult it's been to say no to people during COVID, people looking for therapists specifically, especially as an eating disorder specialist. Um, there's still, you know, every week, you know, this really uh, increased need in the community, and I'm hearing broader than even the eating disorder community, for psychotherapy and just the demand on providers, you know, balancing our, you know, desire to provide quality care to our existing patients and our own self-care with meeting the needs in the community. So um, it's really grateful that it got picked up on a you know fairly uh, large level um, in that New York Times piece. It's a great article. Well done. Thank you. Well done. And you really, I feel like, were on the forefront of making sure that clinicians were learning and taking care of themselves very early on during this shift in our world with COVID last spring with with yeah. the course. How, how are you taking care of yourself and then how you yeah. sit, make those suggestions to other clinicians during this time? Yeah, thank you. It's, it's a great question. I'm happy to, to talk about it. So for me personally, it's been a combination. You know, I'm sure like most people, uh, I have an incredible support network of family, friends, colleagues uh, maintain my participation in supervision groups, including, you know, one through Meta, other ones, you know, existing in Rhode Island, uh, of course, virtual now, uh, as well as my own, you know, going to psychotherapy, practicing mm. what I preach, you know, mm-hmm. I think that is stigmatized sometimes among providers um, and really essential uh, when you need it and, you know, accessing that, you know, I've been really lucky to have a, a wonderful therapist and uh, people in, you know, in my network, um, 
also helps to have a bunch of friends who are in the right. field. You know, I think we're all a little bit more sensitive to each other's needs um, and, and what we're all going through. Um, also, just kind of maintaining my own kind of practices of movement, being in nature, doing some you know hiking, being by the water is one of my favorites, especially in the summer. Uh, I have a really goofy dog, love your dog, golden doodle, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, you know makes things lighter. And um, yeah, I think all of those together. Music too is another big thing. I, I like to sing on the side, and mm. um, that's been you know connecting to the arts in whatever way possible. Uh, has also been really helpful for me in dealing with some of the intensity. In terms of what I've recommended for others, and I do, you know, specialize in eating disorders, and another kind of specialty I've, I've developed is working with healthcare professionals, given I've kind of just worked in the field in different capacities for almost 15 years now, mm-hmm. um, that, I, you know, the healthcare culture can be can be tough, right? It can be, you know, perfectionistic. It can ask a lot of us, um, especially in this past year, so I've been, you know, recommending to people to find realistic self-care practices, right? Right. That don't seem hokey, that you're actually going to do, <laughs> um, that connect you with other people, that also connect you with yourself and your own emotional experience. So for some people that, you know, is, uh, you know, group of friends or meeting virtually or supervision or uh, for other people, it's mindfulness. For other people, it's getting outside in nature. I'm actually part of the efforts that uh, hospital I also work with to just help with, you know, employee wellness and knowing that if we're not well enough to do this or, you know, targeting our own kind of burnout, which is pretty inevitable and was there beforehand, that we're not going to be of much help to other people as well. And it says on your website, which is your name, I hope I'm right, <laughs> yes. com, but exactly. in your on your about page, it's very clear, you know, you're t- it's you you're recognized as a co-leader of the hospital's wellness action initiative. That's what you're referring yeah. to here, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I gave a, a talk last summer, so 2020 summer on compassion fatigue and COVID times at, at the hospital I work at. And uh, then we kind of more recently have, tar- have created this initiative to really target an institutional level, which is what the research shows is most helpful uh, to really help staff and rec- first of all recognize and then to actually do things to help people, um, staff to, you know, recover from this year, maintain, mm-hmm. you know, um, our own, again, well-being, noting, you know, the impact this has had. And I don't mean to totally put you on the spot, but how would oh, you no. define compassion fatigue? I mean, there's so many words in my head and I, I'm just so grateful that it's a that it's a term. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure there are people who could do a better job with this than me. Uh, but off the, off the top of my head, I'm happy to, you know, share, you know, it's, it's a sense of feeling exhausted by things that maybe didn't previously exhaust you. It's a sense of feeling disengaged or maybe numbed out a bit. Mm. Um, it's losing that ability to, you know, empathize both with yourself and with the patients you're serving mm-hmm. and not by any fault of any individual person, right? This is more of a, uh, uh, you know, uh, phenomenon among many people um, and and can lead to things like increased substance use, uh, you know, if you have an eating disorder, kind of changes in your eating habits, um, self-neglect, you know, any of these pieces and, and a lot of disillusionment, right? 
And one of the other terms that kind of sometimes is connected to compassion fatigue is moral injury, which is more a sense of extreme helplessness around, you know, what you're able to do as a healthcare provider. Um, so, so compassion fatigue, you know, practically can look like, you know, maybe making jokes that you wouldn't usually make that lack, you know, uh, compassion or mm. um, uh, understanding that you might have had previously it can look like dread going into work. Um, it can, you know, look like, you know, wanting to move to, you know, a goat farm in Scotland, which, you know, probably yeah. came from my mind at once yeah. <laughs> point or another, you know, just really kind of feeling, feeling uh, different than you usually feel. Um, well, and again, I think it's, it's really, really common. And most of us who've worked in healthcare have experienced at one point or another. Yeah, whether it's in the moment or perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, a longer and harder week, whether that is volume or perhaps even just the acuity is up that particular week. It's no one's fault. It just sort of happens. And what's on the horizon for you, you know, in terms of this role of the in the wellness action initiative at the hospital, but then also how do you feel like you'll be continuing to help other clinicians with this compassion fatigue. Yeah, yeah I, I think it, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be you know, the co-leader of this, this initiative and be able to uh, make an impact on an institutional level. I think that, you know, feels, helps my own sense of, you know, powerlessness at times um, in the midst of, you know, COVID and all the ups and downs we've had. Right. Uh, I think that, you know, for me, I've discovered this year that teaching is, uh, a big way I mm. channel my uh, wanting to kind of make an impact on people. So I, I taught for the first time at you know Boston College this past year, and and you know taught the class and have done some teachings at the hospital and uh, in the community. And I just I find that so helpful because then I think about all the other people out there, you know, practicing their own self care, practicing you know with their you know patients and and clients and and. Just it not being kind of all on my shoulders, which I think we can all kind of do at yeah. times, thinking we're the only one out there. Um, so that's been really impactful for me. I also love how you've balanced things. You know, you're not just you're not just teaching at BC. You're also an alum, and yeah. <laughs> you balance your private practice with this wellness action wellness action initiative yeah. at the hospital. You know, so these three three realms professionally. Um, where you're reaching others and sharing your expertise and yeah, yeah just really bringing a lot, bringing a lot of gifts. And well, thank you very much. I find it helps my, my own burnout prevention to be doing a, a number of different things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we learn, yeah, because we learn from each other and we le- we learn from our clients and patients as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Brooke, for your time today. We're going to keep it short and sweet. But today's discussion on, you know, just bringing up compassion fatigue, it's huge. And bringing folks back to how they can find you, brookhuminski.com. Brookhuminski, B-R-O-O-K-E-H-U-M-I-N-S-K-I.com, brookhuminski.com to learn more about Brooke. There you'll also find that awesome article that you were quoted in. (laughs) 
Thank you so much You're for having me. I really, really appreciate our, you know, professional relationship and the ways you've been a support for me over the years. Mm. And, also, if you want to follow Brooke on Instagram, her handle is therapy underscore with underscore Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E. And that's where you can see pictures of her golden doodle therapy dog, Maisie, as well, M-A-I-S-Y. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for all the things that you've been doing and uh, just really inspiring. Thank you. And you as well. You're you're an inspiration. So we'll move onward and take good care. Okay. All right. Thanks, Brooke. Day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the NPRD podcast with Robin Kivit. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate and review us and share this valuable podcast with friends and family. Help and hope is found here. For more, just go to robinkivit.com. That's R-O-B-Y-N-K-I-E-V-I-T.com. Or check out the NPRD.com.